Join seasoned entrepreneur, community leader, and Army veteran Scott Shalom Klein, who will take you behind the scenes with those who work in America's small business scene and speak with leaders making an impact, creating jobs, and telling their story in entrepreneurship. So let's get down to business. On AM560, The Answer, here's your host, Shalom Klein. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship in business. We talk a lot about business here on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts. On my website at sykline.com. And while you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's jump right in. I'm super excited for this conversation with one and only Barbie Brewer, who is the author of Live and Let's Lead. She began her career in Silicon Valley during the dot-com boom of the 90s and is now an industry-leading expert in developing critical areas of modern business, performance, and culture, including remote and hybrid workforces, which we're going to talk a lot about. As Chief Culture Officer at GitLab, uh, Brewer contributed to the all-remote uh, software as a service company's growth from 150 employees to, listen to this, over 1,000 in more than 60 countries. And pretty cool, she was Vice President of Talent for Netflix, where the streaming service expanded from 20 million subscribers to over 150 million. And I know that so many of you listeners between the GitLab and the Netflix, you've been the recipient of Barbie's amazing work. But I'm really excited to have this conversation about remote work, which many people think of as a reaction to the COVID-19 pandemic. But now it's become part of, as we say, the new reality. Barbara Brewer, welcome to the program. Hi, great to be here. It's great to have you. Um, so I'm curious, you wrote this amazing um, book, um, which is called Live and Let Lead. And, um, and I'm curious, what was it that motivated you to write that book? Well, you know, really, I think it came down to my own uh, personal needs in life, if I'm going to be honest with you. I love to work and I love practicing my craft, but I had a pretty nasty little health diagnosis and I was at Netflix and I was also going through a divorce at the same time. So something had to give. I was going to become a single mom every other week and um, start chemo, which ended up for a year. And so I started writing letters to my kids uh, because my initial diagnosis wasn't very optimistic. And it was for each phase of their life that I wouldn't be there for. And that's really what drove me then to turn that into writing a book to help other people and and leaders grow their careers. So luckily, I, I switched doctors, got, I'm super healthy, everything's in the clear now. And so I was able to translate that desire to write, which I didn't know I had until I started writing those letters into a book that I could, that, you know, might help one or two people. That's helping a lot of people, which is great. Again, I'm chatting with the one and only Barbie Brewer. Uh, Barbie, it's it's really uh, impressive what you've overcome uh, on your on the personal side, but you've uh, you've certainly accomplished a lot in your professional career, and we're grateful for that. Um, so we've got a lot of folks that tune into the program that, of course, are advanced in their businesses, either entrepreneurs themselves or or in senior positions. But I'm really really curious to get your advice for those that are early in their career. Barbie, what would you say to them? For those earlier in their career, I would say to look at every challenge as an opportunity. I know that feels like something that's oversaid, but try not to say no too much. Try not to question yourself too much. If someone believes that you can do something, they might see something in you that you didn't see in yourself. So give it a go. Give it a try. Surround yourself with mentors and experts that can help you grow. 
but but never be afraid to try something new and never be afraid to put yourself out there. Absolutely. And that's such important advice, you know, having that confidence and, and, um, you know, there's a lot of folks that, uh, that, that, need that uh, little sort of vote of approval. And, you know, especially in larger companies, there's folks hopefully, hopefully that are looking out and hoping to develop you um, as well. And I, I think you've certainly had that in your own career. So speaking yeah. of that sort of healthy company culture, mm-hmm. I, I, that's something you write a lot about in your, uh, in your book. And I know that you speak about frequently. Um, what, what what are the, what's the recipe, if you will? How how does a, a company, even a small company, you know, a developing uh, entrepreneurial venture, establish that climate and that culture that hopefully would be positioned um, for success in the future? Yeah, so I think that there is no one ideal company culture, but I think what's most important is to have one and to know what your values are and to know what your culture is, so that you can be transparent about that, so that you're attracting the people that will thrive in your environment and that your employees are actually enjoying their experience with you as an employer because they got what they thought they were going to get. But let's be honest, different products can tolerate different cultures. And you know, Netflix for example, I love their culture of freedom and responsibility and to not have too many rules and not have too much process. I don't know that I want that to be the case with the person who makes my car. I think I think for them I want to make sure my brakes work and I want to have some some rules and regulations around that, right? So it, it does vary, but I think what it gets down to is respecting all employees and transparency and as leaders, really making sure that you're open to the idea that you could be wrong, but still hold the confidence to motivate and inspire your team. It's, yeah. it's a balance and it's, it's, knowing, it's knowing who, you're, who you are. And as the great leaders before me said, your culture will be defined by the least the, the worst leadership traits that you that you expose is true. So your leaders need to, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk. I just came off a call literally minutes ago and talking about the importance of people, people being the number one priority. And really, regardless, mm-hmm. as my dad would always say, it's all widgets. Ultimately, whether it's, you know, software as a service or you're talking about Netflix, the, the reality is that people make up the organization. And yep. uh, one of the things that I know you speak about so passionately and so frequently is that, you know, remote work might have been that reaction to the COVID-19 pandemic, but in reality, what it has done in having remote work, it's eliminated geography and some hiring decisions, um, which is which is pretty cool. So there's a lot of benefits to companies, but I know you argue that there's a lot of benefits to society as a whole. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. that? Well, you know, let's let's be honest here. Not all the brilliant people were born in on the coasts of U.S., right? Uh, there's there's brilliant talent and brilliant people throughout this world, but there's not amazing opportunity. So, what remote work enables us to do is democratize opportunity. So, it's one thing to redistribute wealth, and that only goes so far. But giving people purpose and opportunity is what really will change the world. Now, you can also talk about the environment. I know during COVID, the trees got greener along the highways in the Silicon Valley. And now that people are going back to work, you see them not looking so green anymore. Uh, But really from a society makeup, you keep the uh, role models in those communities. You keep the taxpayers in those communities. You have the workers in those communities actually visiting the salons and the restaurants and the service providers in their neighborhoods instead of where their company sits. It builds stronger communities. 
the the folks the the kids in a small U.S. town or a or a small country will see so much more opportunity in careers than they had ever seen before. On you know, take your parents to work day. I I can't impress enough on the diversity, what it does for functionally diverse folks, and what it does for the world to bring the whole world up with democratizing the opportunity. And I have、yeah. so many examples of amazing people that worked for me that probably would not have had an opportunity if it wasn't for GitLab. And GitLab wasn't a GitLab's remote workforce was not a response to COVID. GitLab purposely built an all remote company when they didn't have to. And that's, I think, the problem with remote work during COVID is companies built their programs and policies in a wider way to survive the pandemic, not a way to thrive and innovate a new way of work. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I know that you've certainly uh, uh, been uh, at the at the at at the lead、uh, in in developing this. Not like you said as a response, but actually proactively. And the results speak for themselves. I'm chatting with the author of Live and Let Lead, which is、uh, leadership lessons for the future of work. Chatting with Barbie Brewer. Barbie, we are just about out of time, and I just want to wrap up in the last minute、um, by asking you, what do the best leaders that you know have in common? The best leaders that I know have in common is a a confidence to innovate and try new things and take chances, is a vulnerability to be able to express their vulnerabilities, but also be open to feedback, and to not try to pretend they're perfect, and then transparency, the willingness to share information, to hire great people and empower them, is how their leadership. Will scale right They, by hiring amazing leaders in every level of the company, and I think that's what really great leaders know how to do and understand the importance of. Absolutely, Barbie. I love the conversation. I love the book and what you are advocating for,、um, which truly is the future of work. So,、um, I want to make sure our listeners have the opportunity to get in touch with you, as well as, of course, pick up a copy of this book. How can they do that? Well, you can get a copy of the book on Amazon, of course, "Lead and Let Live," and I also have a website, barbiejane.com. Barbie is my real name; it's not short for Barbara. So the website's barbiejane.com, and the book is also available there, as well as information on how to reach me. That's fantastic, Barbie Brewer. Really appreciate you coming on the program. Really appreciate you talking about the future of work and、uh, talking about、uh, remote work. Um, Uh, which is absolutely critical and something that again businesses big and small need to understand and know a lot more about. Well, we're going to have to squeeze in a very quick break here on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Always get on my website, sycline.com.、Uh, while you're on the web, be sure to visit healthplanchicago.com where you can get in touch with our sponsor Tom Arabali for all of your health insurance and Affordable Care Act needs. Again, a quick break, Chicago. Don't touch that dial.、Um, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share on your favorite podcast app.、We'll、be right back. Back on the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship,、um, and we're talking about something really, really important. We're talking about、um, leadership teams, and、uh, that's something each and every business, regardless of size, has to deal with: selecting, building, and optimizing your top team. And I'm thrilled to be joined by the subject matter expert on this topic. That's、uh, Thomas Kyle, who's a professor at the University of Zurich in Switzerland, where he teaches strategy and international management, and he's a partner at the Next Advisors. He's an internationally recognized authority on CEO succession and leadership teams. He's taught executives from Asia, Europe, North America, and is a regular keynote speaker. But I'm really excited because he's written a fantastic uh, read, uh, the Next CEO and the Next Leadership Team: How to Select, Build, and Optimize Your Top Team. Thomas, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
Absolutely. So if there's one thing that I've discovered, regardless of where your business is based and regardless of the size of your business, is that your leadership team is pretty darn important. Can you tell us why? Well, you know, it goes down to one simple fact. No CEO can do anything alone. Um, you need a team to multiply all your ideas. You need a team that uh, actually gets things done, that gives you new ideas. Uh, um, no individual can change the world alone. So you need a team behind you. So you absolutely do. Yeah, you absolutely do. Every every business indeed needs needs a team. And again, true of big and small. So well, a perfect segue. I mean, is there a single best way to create a high-performance leadership team? You know, when we started our research, we thought that there would be a one best way. Um, what we really were struck with is that there isn't, that there really are different approaches, uh, and it depends a lot on the uh, leader. Um, what are your preferences? Do you like to work through competition? Do you like to work through collaboration? And it depends a lot on the type of company as well. If you are in a single business company, if you are geographically dispersed, uh, if you are operating in many different businesses, it really drives the approach that makes the most sense. And uh, um, we see that different approaches can really work. Um, and it's not that there's one best solution. It's not the message that most people like to hear because we always want to have one best way, but uh, that's what we find. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Thomas, I want to I want to zoom out for a moment and and talk about you uh, again. We know that you uh, teach strategy and international management, a partner at the Next Advisors. Have written several books on this topic, Thomas. Why? Why? How did you develop your interest and your focus on on this topic? You know, as an academic, I like to not stay in the ivory tower. Um, so I really like to talk with people and I like to talk with interesting people. So I started to talk with CEOs and that really was something that uh, got me interested in this topic. Um, you know, interesting people that have interesting stories to tell, that have interesting insights to share. And uh, that's how, how I got into this and how I got excited about uh, CEOs, leadership teams, boards, uh, where the most interesting people often are uh, sitting. Absolutely. And you've had a front row seat to that um, and watching the good and the bad, which maybe we'll have time to talk a little bit about. So, you know, CEOs play such an important role, you know, involved in a little bit of everything, chief executive officer. Um, but uh, the good CEOs we know, uh, Thomas, don't uh, think that they know everything. Uh, they know that they to surround themselves with folks that may at times be smarter than they are. And that touches on everything we've been talking about, about leadership team. So again, a CEO that comes in, regardless of their background, they need to bring in a CFO, a COO, and the list goes on and on. What process should that CEO follow in choosing their leadership team? Our view is really that um, you need to start uh, with becoming very glass clear what you want to achieve. Because the team will look very different if you are in a turnaround situation, if you are uh, trying to grow a company, if you want to stabilize a company, the team will look very, very differently. So you need to be very clear about your mandate. And from there, you can then uh, identify what do you need? Uh, what kind of skills do you need? What does a CFO need to do? If it's a turnaround, you need to have somebody who is really a master cost cutter. If it's a growth situation, very different uh, profile that you would need. Absolutely. Again, I'm chatting with Thomas Keel, 
um, who has written the book quite literally, The Next CEO and the Next Leadership Team, How to Select, Build, and Optimize Your Top Team. Uh, Thomas, uh, yeah, I know you've talked with companies from all over the world, quite literally. Um, without naming names, unless you can, of course, uh, I'm curious if you can share uh, you know, a, a success story, as well as perhaps a, a challenging story, if you will, of, uh, of a CEO that may have gone about the search the wrong way, or just a uh, where, where a leadership team that you've witnessed has not been positioned for success. I prefer not to name names in this case sure. uh, um, for obvious reasons, but uh, um, you know one of the stories that that we were really uh, impressed by um, was a CEO um, that came in to really transform a company, and uh, he went very systematically about that. He looked at okay, whom do I have there? He analyzed them. He looked at them one by one, not choosing because of uh, personal preferences, but really systematically, what do I need to accomplish? And then uh, went uh, over the next six months to build the team, then the next six months to really build and set up the company um, and uh, then draw a fantastic transformation that uh, in, in his industry has uh, made the company larger than all its competitors in terms of market valuation. That's a great story. We also have have some true horror stories. Um, we have uh, situations where people come in and uh, uh, they bring in their friends. Uh, they bring in people mostly because they feel comfortable with them and uh, they can literally destroy a company within half a year or a year. And uh, you see that after that, often they get asked to leave very fast. Um, both of these extreme cases uh, we see every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. The good stories, the bad stories. And uh, the key is learning. The key is, you know, understanding sort of where you're at and understanding how to constantly improve. And, you know, that's really where I want to spend the next few minutes talking about, Thomas, is uh, talking about uh, optimization. Um, you know, it's true today. Um, and I'll, I'll just go with uh, 2019, let's say, you know, a company, uh, the leadership team that was in place in 2019, all of a sudden, we had a, uh, a hurricane that that hits uh, named uh, COVID-19. And all of a sudden, what's true in 2019 is not true in 2020, and even is not true now in 2023. So how can CEOs optimize their leadership team over time to make sure that they're evolving and uh, and, and staying flexible with the times? I think the, the big thing here is really to constantly align the team uh, with the challenge at hand. And what you just described is, is a wonderful example how these challenges change over time. And let's be honest, the same type of people that were great for 2019 were not necessarily the ideal people for 2020 or are the ideal people today. So you need to um, either reposition people, you may have to rotate them through roles, or you may many times also change people um, to have the right setup uh, for the challenge at hand. Especially at the top, um, uh, change is a good thing, um, change in the leadership team. Um, these are roles that uh, people play for a few years. So it's not meant to be 15 years, 20 years in many instances. For sure, for sure. And Thomas, in our last minute, uh, I want to just hear your perspective of the state of leadership in companies. You know, where are we at um, and where are we going? You know, we're having this conversation and now uh, the latter half of 2023, uh, as we just said a moment ago, things have changed over time. Do you think we're in a good place in terms of uh, companies developing their leadership teams or, or and, and where do you think we're going over the next few years? 
I personally think we have a long way to go. Um, there are topics uh, which, especially on the leadership team level, are not well addressed. Uh, you know, just let me mention topics like diversity inclusion. Um, we have many leadership teams that have individuals in there that are basically, let me be blunt, more there to decorate the room than uh, to really be integrated into the team. And that's something that needs to change. Um, also, the leadership style. We still have um, leaders that uh, uh, lead through fear and uh, command and control, and that is not quite uh, suitable for the generation of uh, uh, people in organizations that we see now. So, so we have a long way to go, and uh, uh, it's a constant transformation. It's a constant evolvement that we need to see, and uh, where um, we will see changes in the coming years, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt, and I'm. I'm glad that you're there to coach folks because, you know, often we talk about this all the time in the program, you know, folks come into leadership roles or folks come into the role of CEO. And again, they don't know what questions to ask. And it's good. Your book is a fantastic read and it really helps people to uh, discover um, the tools that are out there, uh, the the learning, the the development that's possible. So, Thomas, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I want to make sure listeners can get in touch with you and pick up a copy of the book. How can they do that? Easiest way is uh, um, you can find it uh, on Amazon. Just uh, type in the title and uh, um, my name with it, uh, and it finds find it very easily. Or with a publisher, Routledge uh, um, also is uh, distributing the book directly. Or look us up uh, on the internet uh, under www.thenextadvisors.ch. Fantastic. We'll link in our show notes as well. Thomas Kale, thank you so much for joining us on the program um, and, uh, and, and sharing your, your best practices with us. Quick break. Some commercials. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. I love uh, coming on the air each and every week talking to America's amazing entrepreneurial leaders, folks that have been there and done that. And frankly, not every moment has been successful. And we love to have that real talk, if you will, talking about uh, what, what's worked and what hasn't worked. And that's exactly, uh, I'm excited to have this conversation with Ben Camille, who's the founder and CEO of Travel Defend, America's leading travel insurance brokerage concierge service. We're going to talk all about what he does each and every day. We're going to talk about his entrepreneurial journey, um, the, the, the good times, the bad times, and everything in between. Ben Camille, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, man. Thanks. Uh, happy to be here. Absolutely. So for over 20 years, my understanding is that you've been uh, managing numerous multi-million dollar tour companies, but specifically specializing in that Uber luxury market. Um, you got a business degree from Farley Dickinson University, um, where I know you also played baseball. Um, yeah. And perhaps it was that experience that led you to be able to, uh, to survive that uh, rough and tumble world of that Uber luxury clientele. I know some days it's probably easier than others. Isn't that true? Yeah. Um, basically, I've been doing this for about 20 years. I mean, when I'm talking luxury, I'm talking super luxury. I mean, we have many clients and families that would come to that company. It was called Upscale Getaways, you know, spending for a week $200,000, $300,000 on just a week uh, event. So really super high end. That's kind of what we're used to doing in that business. And we've really pivoted into travel insurance. And I want to tell you the origin of what we what happened here because it's actually pretty interesting. COVID really destroyed us, right? Obviously, I mean, we're in the luxury market. When COVID happened, everything got shut down. <clears throat> and then once things started coming back, we realized, me and my business partner, we we're kind of saying, look, our events are back on, 
But who is going to book these events without travel insurance in this day and age? Nobody. Okay. So we started looking into this and I really became, I know it's funny to say, but I became obsessed with travel insurance. Um, I just started looking into it. My brain worked really well in terms of understanding it well. You know, like we would have high end at our events, we'd have high end catering and uh, I would go into a kitchen and my brain is like mush. Okay. I don't understand the kitchens. I don't know what's going on. Somehow with travel insurance, it just worked for me. I understood it really well. And I said, if I'm going to offer this to my clients, I better really know a lot about it. And I realized that what we're offering and what we're doing, what we want to do with Travel Defend does not exist in America. And so I'll get into what exactly we do in a moment. But basically, we went to all the other tour companies in our niche. I said, look, all of your clients need help with travel insurance. They're not going to book your trips without it. Send them to us. We'll take care of them. And we just kind of exploded from there. And uh, only two years in, um, we are a multi-million dollar company now. And we've just started scratching the surface. So it's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. And congratulations on all of that success. And we're going we're gonna to talk more about what you do. And we're going to talk more about that success. But I want to actually start all the way in the beginning. I mean, travel. Um, yeah. I mean, do you like to travel? I mean, where, where did this sort of bug and itch for helping folks? Again, certainly, not, like you said, the Uber luxury side, but just in general, that fascination with helping people understand those crazy dynamics that I know only have gotten crazier over these past few years. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is I actually have memories from when I was a little kid, maybe five, six years old, going to the airport and being like, wow, I love the airport. And I, that still stays with me. And I think, you know, I was playing college baseball growing. I caught, I played baseball my whole life and I was a pitcher. I was one of the best pitchers in Canada growing up in Toronto and I got a scholarship and I knew I wasn't going to make the major leagues. I wasn't that good, but I was, I was fairly good. And uh, a friend of mine just said to me about, this is back, you know, 20 years ago. He said, look, if you can figure out a way to make 30 grand, you're good. Okay. That was the idea we had back then. And I was like, what am I into? Like, what do I love doing? And like you said, it was just, I love traveling. I love events. Um, I'm really good at running events. I'm really organized. Uh, I do understand the luxury client. I mean, I started it so young. I mean, when we started that business, I was 23 years old and many people thought that you know, they kept saying, where's your boss? I want to speak to your boss. And I'm like, I am the boss. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, I didn't understand. It was pretty crazy. I mean, the first time we went to a hotel to run our event, the lady said to me there, she says, is this for like a school project or something? I'm like, yeah, I'm giving you $250,000 for a school project. Like, Yeah, it's my eighth grade like, trip, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, crazy. I mean, we took a loan from a bank back in the day when you could get a loan. I mean, it was really bootstrap. I mean, I, I didn't grow up with any money or anything like that. So it was really uh, a wild experience. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You t- tell me if you want to know more about that. But but really, the luxury vibe uh, was something I, I really enjoyed and got into. Yeah. I'm chatting with Ben Camille, again, the founder and CEO of Travel Defend America's leading travel insurance brokerage concierge service. And Ben, my big takeaway from, from everything you've just said so far in, in sort of getting things started and your, your focus on travel in, in general, and obviously uh, travel insurance, which we're going to talk about more over the next few minutes, is you have been very focused. You have. Um, and, and again, uh, you know, a lot of folks that might question, I've, I've been through those times before, um, but you know, you, you've, you, you've had your mission, you've had your focus and let the, let the naysayers uh, laugh um, now because you've certainly yeah. uh, established things. Um, and we're going to, we're going to continue our conversation. We're going to have to squeeze in a very quick break in a moment. But uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly pretty wild in, in thinking about these past few years um, and how travel has evolved. And I can't wait to have that conversation with you 
um, as we continue the conversation. But uh, before we cut to a quick break, I want to raise our uh, listeners' attention uh, to, uh, uh, speaking of uh, coverage, is health insurance coverage, which uh, everybody needs Affordable Care Act health insurance. And you want to talk to our good friend, Tom Mirabali, health insurance um, uh, uh, consultations. Uh, just mention Get Down to Business, but visit his website at healthplanchicago.com, healthplanchicago.com. Give you a free consultation. Again, mention you heard about uh, his services on Get Down to Business, and I know he'll take good care of you. We'll be right back on the show. All that small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Don't touch that dial. Hey, we're back and we get down to business. The show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship, which is exactly what we're talking to Ben Camille, founder and CEO of Travel Defend America's leading travel insurance brokerage concierge service. Um, ben, appreciate you being real with us earlier uh, in the conversation. Um, but uh, Ben, as you said a moment ago, a lot of folks questioning, again, was this school project for you? But you've been focused on it uh, definitely from, from day one. So if you don't mind, Ben, in that spirit of keeping it real, what was your toughest moment in the business journey and how did you move, how did you work through it and move forward? And I'm asking that specifically because we have a lot of entrepreneurs tuning in that maybe we can help somebody avoid a mistake along the way. Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, two things that you have to look at. I mean, certainly early on when I started, uh, as most entrepreneurs do, they, they, you don't really know anything, you know, and it's really not your fault. It's just that you haven't been in the real world, many of them, or they haven't, even if you've had a nine to five job, you've never actually you know, had payroll, had, you know, numbers on your head uh, and the stress that comes along with being an entrepreneur. But really the first event I ever run, which which is not, you know, what I'm doing now in terms of travel defend, but I think it's a telling, telling point. Um, it was, you know, the worst event that ever existed in the history of the world. I really honestly believe that. I mean, anything that could have gone wrong, went wrong. It was incredibly embarrassing. There was hundreds of thousands of dollars that was being lost. And the fact is, I remember clearly the staff wanted to just quit on me, basically. And I pulled them in a room and I literally just broke down crying. I said, look, guys, you know, we have hundreds of people here. You, you can't do this. You just can't. I said, I'll make it good with you. But it wasn't all my fault. I mean, everyone just saw us coming a mile away and really took advantage of us. And the point was they stuck with me. And after that, we did get it together. But the point is, after that event, I was like, I'm never doing, I'm never being an entrepreneur again. I'm not running my own thing. I'll just get a nine to five. And over time, you know, you have to be a little bit crazy, right? Over time, you start to think, you know what, man, I did learn a lot. I know how to fix it now. I know what to do. It was like a college education, you know, what to do. And I've taken that as a lesson for the future. Like I, you will get hit hard and in the moment it will sting really bad, but there's no entrepreneur. You will not find one that has gone through from the beginning to success without having tremendous, tremendous failures. And you have to, as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to take that. And it does take some time, but you have to be able to brush it off. And if you're crazy enough to be an entrepreneur, many people are not, you have to be really crazy, maybe a little sick in the head. But if you are, you know, and you, you, you really push, um, it's going to work out uh, at the end of the day, uh, as long as you have a good business model. Um, and that we can get into as well, because a lot of people have a business that you know, as Mr. Wonderful would say, you just have to shoot it, you know, take it in the back and shoot it. But if the business model is solid, it will work out if you stick with it. Yeah. And again, I'm sharing with Ben Camille and Ben, um, I, I, let's, let's stick on that theme. I mean, I, we talked to so many entrepreneurs in this program 
Uh, and I'll split into two categories and the rare, rare folks that have a little bit of both. And I'll, I'll, I'll provide the disclaimer. I think a little bit of both is where you need to be is the folks that sit and have the business plan and they sit and they plan and plan and plan for months on end. And then by the time they finish planning, they've run out of money and they can't actually get started. And then there's the folks that are super passionate, high energy, really, really focused on something and they run into it without a plan. Mm. Um, again, I would argue you need a little bit of both. Would you agree? Yeah, you, you need a little bit of both, but I, I kind of think that from step one, you need a business model that makes sense, right? So a lot of people, let's say you can look at any industry and see success. Let's say you say, I'm going to start an Amazon business. Okay? I know a lot of people that do that. I know some that do it successfully, some that don't do it successfully. I want to start an online brand or whatever it is. You know, the fact is, is that you've got to look at there's marketing and then you got to look at inventory cost. Okay. And I started a brand. Uh, years ago, and uh, you know, a, a fashion brand, um, and I really learned a lot from that experience. I learned that, of course, it can work, but the reality is, is that it's very tough to ever see money in that business. Any money you make, got to go in back into marketing, back into inventory. How do you ever get money? How do you ever make anything? And so, yeah, you can have tremendous millions of dollars worth of investors and all this, but a lot of people they go into a business. You know, my nephew came to me. He says, I want to start a business. I'm going to buy a business from someone else. It's a Turkish towel business. That was the business, right? And I said to him, what the hell are you going to do with a Turkish towel business? How are you differentiating yourself? Is this the best Turkish towel in the world? I said, it's nearly impossible. Okay. It's possible, but nearly impossible without millions of dollars to start a Turkish towel business with no differentiator. And you got to keep you know, having a factory, having inventory. So you want to find a business model that's quick to the cash. And I think that's something that gets totally forgotten with most people. They just think of anything they're passionate about, whatever it is, you got to do the numbers. And like you said, the business plan, is it quick to the cash? How do you actually make money? That's what's so lost in these things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what you've done, um, which is exciting. So uh, as we uh, come to a conclusion, our conversation, we're going to squeeze in a quick break and continue our conversation. But Ben, one thing that uh, I know you're really proud of is being the leader, as we said earlier in this uh, travel insurance brokerage uh, concierge service space. Why are you different from all your competitors? Well, we, I see because I have the timer here that we only have a minute left. And this is a longer than a minute answer. Uh, because in the world of travel insurance, when we get into it in the next segment, uh, we are completely unique and different. There's nobody else doing what we're doing. Um, and the fact is, right now, if you need travel insurance, there's tremendous confusion. People have no clue what to buy. They don't know what companies will actually pay them, which companies will protect them. They don't understand the differences in the policies, what the exclusions are. Is this primary coverage, secondary coverage? I don't want to bore your audience. We can go very deep, detailed into this. And to have a brokerage and have an expert that you can call and say, look, help us. What do we need to get? And actually make sure you get paid in real life because as a brokerage, I'm going to get into this next segment, but we bring millions of dollars to insurance companies. We have tremendous power there and we never charge you a penny more than the policy would cost anyway. So it's the ultimate win-win. Obviously, there's billions spent in travel insurance every year. People need this help really bad and we do differentiate ourselves tremendously. That's awesome. And economies of scale. Obviously, you have uh, been able to stand out and build those relationships with those uh, with those uh, companies, and that helps the uh, the end user, the client, mm -hmm. um, in a major major way. That's awesome. Uh, again, yeah. chatting with Ben Camille. We're going to squeeze in a very quick break here on the show. All about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to Get Down to Business. We're back in our conversation with Ben Camille from Travel Defend. Ben, really enjoying our conversation. And um, you've been talking about assisting thousands of clients um, and uh, and many of them who need real-time assistance on their trips. I know your relationships with the insurance companies um, pays off big time and uh, your mm-hmm. clients don't need to pay any extra, which is what you're saying, uh, which is great. So I'm curious, we could talk a little bit more about that as well. As I'm really curious, do you have any crazy stories that you can share? Yeah, no, I definitely have a lot of crazy stories. But before I get into the crazy stories, you have to understand where we set in and how we are even getting these crazy stories coming to us. So essentially, let's quickly do this. Let's say you have a client. um, We work with hundreds of tour operators, travel agents, even individual end users, clients. You're going on a trip. Now, we work with all sorts of clients. It could be a $100 policy. It doesn't matter. Make sure you're medically protected and all that. But typically, you know, let's say we have a couple, they're going to, I don't know, Egypt, $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 trip. These people really want to know, what should I buy? I want my $50,000 to be protected properly. I need medical coverage. I want to make sure I'm going to get paid. What do they do? And so these tour companies, many of them will send all their people to us. They know they're not experts in travel insurance. And we will answer all their questions. We'll do the paperwork for them. We'll go, we have access to every policy in America. So we can discuss with them, you know, make sure they're getting the correct policy. And then most importantly, we'll make sure they get paid. Okay. We have a WhatsApp that we set up with our clients. It's monitored 24 hours a day by our team. So if they have any issues, they reach out to us and we will help them. Okay. And that goes into all the crazy stories. Okay. So, I mean, they're really graphic. I don't know how, how you know, your, how your uh, listenership wants to hear this kind of stuff. I can't go so graphic, but, you know, we have, you know, many tremendous Injuries, strokes, medical evacuations, diving accidents with, you know, collapsed lungs. I mean, constantly we are getting clients reaching out to us who need real help. And if you reach out to the insurance company directly, unfortunately, they're dinosaurs, man. They're old. They don't, they don't have, you can, you'll speak to some random guy in India uh, before you ever get someone who actually knows the real answer on the phone. And so that's why what we do is so, so important, so special for our clients and it's a very sticky business. One time a client uses us, they will never buy travel insurance any other way again. There's no reason to, and they certainly won't. Um, and that talks to all the business minds listening on your podcast. You know that This is why uh, Travel Defend is such a great business, right? There's no inventory. It's straight to the cash. We get paid commissions. So you don't have to ever pay more than the, you would pay anyway for a policy. Um, you know, and we're really, really helping people. You can go on to Google, type in Travel Defend. You'll see all of our reviews up there. Uh, we have a lot of Google reviews already. They're all five-star. They're all impeccable. People are shocked when they're getting paid in seven days or 10 days or two weeks. In the world of travel insurance, if you get paid at all, because you even know what you're doing, you can get paid in six months from now. So the fact is, people are really, really obsessed with what we do. We're obsessed with what we do. We love it. And, uh, you know... Yeah, that's the basic uh, name of the game. I love it. Well, uh, you're making a difference each and every day and excited to watch your growth. And we look forward to having you back on real quick, uh, real soon. Um, but real quick, uh, before we uh, before we get folks in touch with you, if, if folks remember one thing from this conversation in terms of their entrepreneurial journey, what's that one bit of advice? Um, like I said before, you know, I think the one bit of advice is find a business model that makes sense. You know, a lot of people will start a business, go to into a pizza shop, say to the guy, why did you start a pizza shop? I don't know. Cause I like pizza. Like these are not good enough reasons to start a business. Okay. You got to actually figure out step one. How am I actually going to make money? This is the question that so many people forget. 
They're so focused. Like, why are you doing this? Oh, I do windows. Okay, why? Why do you do windows? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. People, so many entrepreneurs don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. So well, that's, that's, that's critical. Ben, we're going to leave it there and we're going to, yeah. we're going to make sure we get folks in touch with you because I know you, uh, you, you, you talked to a lot of folks and you've got a lot of podcasts out there. Ben, how can we get in touch with you and your team? Yeah. Just go to traveldefend.com. Simple. There's no uh, hyphens or anything like that. Or you can call us 1-800-578-2871 and our team is here to help. Fantastic. We're going to link in the show notes as well. Ben, really enjoyed our conversation. I know we could talk for hours and hopefully we will again in the future. That's a wrap for us here on the show. All about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Check out my website, sykline.com. But to success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560, The Answer.